unstoppable. He has the victory. And the Bible says his kingdom is at hand. That means where he rules and reigns, his will is being done, his glory is being revealed, his power is being released, and his victory is being shown. God is so good. God is so good. Well, before you take a seat, if you just greet some of the folks around you and then you can be seated. I am so glad I don't have to do life alone, that I can walk out each and every day knowing that God is there and he cares and he wants to do more in my life and in our lives than we could ever imagine or dream. But everything that he does is good. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above in whom there's no variableness or shadow of change. And yet we live in a world that is experiencing all sorts of things that are not good. And that's where we, God will never force his goodness, his kingdom, his will, or his way on anyone. We choose. And uh, as we walk in this world as followers of Jesus Christ, we reveal his kingdom. Wherever we go, his kingdom is at hand because we allow him to have his way in our lives. And as that happens, the Bible says it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. There's glory that's being revealed. People are drawn to Christ as, as they see him, even though they don't know it's him, working in you and me. And so we, we have this privilege of being co-laborers with him and, and children of the Most High God, but we also have a battle that we're in, and that battle is, is every day. There's no rest from the battle, but the battle's been won. We just walk out the victory. And part of what that victory is, is the, the great revival that God's word says is going to be and is already happening in these days. And that revival comes because of unity. Jesus prayed uh, in John chapter 17, and he prayed for us to be one. This oneness, this unity, this connected with the connectedness with God first and then among the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, through the love of God. And uh, we, we can walk in that love or we can choose to walk in something else. And we've been studying about this and in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. It tells us that above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's that love that keeps us connected. There are things that happen in our lives between each, each of us, um, husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters. Uh, and... And those things can drive us apart and bring a division. And we know that the Bible says that, that a nation or a city or a church or a family divided will not stand. It will be brought to desolation. And the enemy is behind that. God is a connecting God. He's a uniting God. He's a God that brings uh, us together. And so... We need to be aware of what the enemy's trying to do, but also what God wants to do, what he's planned for, 
for us to walk in so that we can experience the blessing and the benefit of it and this perfect unity um, that comes through love. And that love causes us not just to connect, but stay connected. How many of you know that, that you can become disappointed in things, and whether it's people or circumstances and situations or even God himself, and when we become uh, disillusioned or we become hurt or frustrated, sometimes we just want to back off. And that love keeps us connected because we realize that that there's no one better than God, and God has for us to stay connected. That we learn from the scriptures, it said, love covers a multitude of sin. And when it says covers, it doesn't mean it kind of hides it. It means it surrounds that sin. When somebody sins against us, and we have that happen on a regular basis. You know, we experience people doing things that God had not intended for, for us to experience. And when we choose to love in those situations, we begin to surround that situation with patience and kindness and gentleness and, and faithfulness and goodness. And all of a sudden, it's not injuring us the way it used to. And what God can do with that, Romans 8, 28 says, God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When we love him, we align ourselves with him. We walk with, with the precepts and, and the principles that he's called us to. And we begin to surround these other situations. And they become like a pearl. An oyster creates a pearl out of what's injuring or irritating it. And it becomes very beautiful and priceless. And those things in our lives that have injured us or irritated us, when we walk in love and we display the characteristics of love and practice the actions of love, these things can become something we never dreamed they, they could become. They become very priceless and precious in our lives. Um, and we express this love. We've been looking at, at what this love is expressed as and, and how people experience it. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 through 3, in the New Living Translation, it says this, always be humble and gentle. We talked about gentleness last week. But always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's what? Faults. I would ask you to uh, admit that we all have faults, and we don't want to admit that, but we can point out faults in other people, can't we? It's real easy to see in others. But we all have them in each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And that's the peace of God. It's the love of God and it's the peace of God. That peace is defined as uh, setting at one again. What love does is it always reconnects. It reconnects to revitalize and, and to renew and, and to cause us to experience something beyond just us. Um, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13, this is another place where we have been studying and looking at and and dissecting, but it says, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowances for each other's faults. There it is again. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, before we get into this today, we're going to look at forgiveness. Now, it, it speaks about patience and patience I think we all know what that is, and, and I really felt that I needed to skip over that and go to forgiveness, but patience is us having strength to bear up under whatever we're experiencing, not escape it, 
and to go the distance, have the endurance to go the distance until we see what God has said will happen. You know, if we don't see what God has promised, God's not done. But he surely will finish. He will have his way. We just have to continue. The Bible says through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Uh, we're an instant society. We want everything instantly. You know, we have microwaves. We have convection ovens. We have all sorts of things. And it's still not fast enough. And so we realize that we are very, very aware of time. But God makes everything beautiful in his time. And that's where we need to recognize the way he's going to do it and when he's going to do it is the best and trust in that best. But before we go any further, I have a couple of questions to ask you and, and some statements to make. But um, we all know that there was only one perfect person, right? And that wasn't anybody here, right? As much as we may think we're perfect, there is only one perfect. Then who was it? Jesus. That's right. The Bible says that Jesus said, I always do those things that please my Father. What an amazing statement. Uh, I don't think any of us could claim that, that we always do those things that please our Heavenly Father. Because we're flawed, we're frail, and we fail. And it's important that we all are honest with us about this. Because if not, we're going to put undue pressure on us to become something we'll never become in this life. And that's perfect. When we leave this life, we should be gaining. We should be growing. We should be maturing and developing and becoming more like Christ. But we'll never attain to it until we get into eternity. And then the Bible says, when we see him, we'll be like him. But until then, we're, we're working. We're working this out. We're walking out our faith. And it's a struggle sometimes. And sometimes we do things we shouldn't do, and sometimes we don't do the things we should do. You know, the Apostle Paul knew exactly what that was like. He says in Romans chapter 7, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will, who will deliver me from this flesh? And then he begins to talk about, in chapter 8, the Holy Spirit. As a believer in Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us. He's the one that imparts to us and empowers us to be able to live this life of love, this victorious life. Not without opposition or obstacles, but in the midst of all of it. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So we can have a confidence no matter what we face. We can overcome as we look to God, rely on God, and follow God. And this morning, we're going to look at forgiveness. You know, sometimes we... we hear things and we think, I, I don't, I don't want to know about that. But this is something that is so vitally important for us to experience the life God has for us, but also for us to be part of the unity that God, Jesus prayed for us to be united with him and with one another and the revival that results from it. And so today we're going to look at this, and, and I'm just going to pray. It's, it's a time you can pray. You can invite God to reveal to you what's going on, what needs to be adjusted. Him affirm the things that you're doing and, and keep doing it. But if you just bow your heads, bow your heads at home and, and just invite God to, to speak to you because the Bible says man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. And, and he's going to speak to us by his spirit, through his word. Father, today I present myself to you that you would use me to speak to your people, to 
the bride of Christ, to the body of Christ. Father, we thank you that when we receive your word, their life and health to us as we find it. Father, we thank you for the healings that will occur here and at home for those listening and watching. Father, you can bring wholeness and, and healed hearts and lives and relationships, heal families. Father, we thank you that your word is truth and it sets us free that we'll, we'll be able to experience the freedom, the release from the things that have bound us, held us, and hindered us from experiencing your abundant life, your peace and your joy. Father, your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We thank you for the guidance that you'll give us in a path that is your path. That, Father, we can follow you and fulfill your will and see your goodness in the land of the living. And so we thank you, Father, that today, as, as we're aware of the word that you're speaking to us, we'll hide that word in our heart, incorporate it into principles that we'll live out in our lives. That, Father, we'll not miss the best you have. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So... Right here today, we're looking at forgiveness. This says, make allowances for each other's fault and forgive who? Anyone. That could be everyone who offends you. I know it's a dumb question. Anybody get offended this week? Anybody have a difficult time with somebody? It's hard to admit that, isn't it? But it happens. People injure us. Sometimes they, they know it. Sometimes they don't know it. Sometimes we think they know it. But whatever way it comes, that, that injury or that offense, it, it, it causes us to begin to feel pain. And the first thing we want to do is we want to react. But this says we're to forgive anyone who offends us. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must Forgive others. Any, anybody besides me struggle with that? When I read that and I hear, I must forgive others. I, I remember there were times where I would tell God I just can't. Just like I shared last week, when I had struggled with anger in my life, and I would explain to God that's how he made me so I couldn't change. Like I was telling God some unknown information, and the information I was telling him, he knew, he knew it wasn't true. And there was an adjustment, because with God, what's possible? And the Bible goes on to say, and all things are possible to those who believe. I didn't believe that I could change. I didn't believe that God would help me change, and so I didn't change until I began to believe. And in this, I have struggled at times forgiving people. I think we've all struggled at times forgiving people, and, and there are some reasons why, but the first thing I want to do today is I want to define forgiveness. Webster defines forgiveness as to excuse a fault, to pardon, to absolve or cancel from payment. Vine's Expository Dictionary defines forgiveness as completely canceling a debt, 
the remission of punishment due, to bestow favor unconditionally, to be gracious in kindness, to pardon, to free, to deliver, to rescue. But the one I really like is Strong's. Strong's concordance defines forgive. It's, it's a specific word, and it means a grace gift, a grace pardon, to gracefully pardon or release or rescue somebody. Um, and that's where, when we talk about grace, the Bible tells us we're saved by grace, right? And it goes on to say it's a gift so that no one will boast. When, when we're given a gift, what's required for us to experience the benefit of that gift? To receive it, right. And, and when we're given a gift, supposedly there are no strings attached, right? It's not like somebody gives you a gift and they, they can attach strings like, well, I've, I've blessed you, now it's time to bless me. When we really give the way God does, when that grace is there, we give it without strings attached. It's not our grace to be saved isn't something we earned or could earn or deserve. And it's the same way here. Forgiveness is a grace gift. It's not something that is to be earned or necessarily deserved. It's something we choose to do no matter what anybody else does. And that may sound a little crazy that... You know, why should I forgive somebody if they aren't sorry for what they did? Doesn't that make sense? You guys are tough. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I have been known at times early on in my Christian walk to say, you know, I'm not going to forgive them until they ask for forgiveness. But we're to forgive. We're to forgive the way God forgives. And, and that's not the way God forgives. And that's where... This forgiveness, we have so many ideas of what forgiveness is, and sometimes our ideas, our perspectives, our reference points for forgiveness cause us to say, well, I just can't forgive. I, I've said that in my life. I've thought that at times. I've heard it from other people. Well, I, can't, I, can't, I just can't forgive that person. And yet, God's word tells us we must forgive. So who's right? I need an answer. Okay, that's the right answer. But do we believe it? Do we believe that this is what we must do, this is what we should do, this is what is best to do, or are we going to believe I can't do it? Because you're going to have, I'm going to have, we're all going to have whatever we believe. If we believe we can't, then we can't. If we believe we can, then we can and this tells us we must forgive. We must forgive. But we sometimes think, I, can't, I just can't. I can't. Because we think forgiveness is something that it's not. Now, I'm going to share a few things that it is and it isn't. Forgiveness does not mean that you pretend nothing happened. Okay? Sometimes we think, well, we, we, we can't, we can't. We can't realize that something bad happened. It did. You can't ignore what happened. But there's a difference between recognizing it happened and being fixated on it. 
continuing to go back to it. So it doesn't mean that you pretend that nothing happened, that you just try and ignore it. You can't ignore it. It's there. But you look to God for help in it. Just like everything, whatever we deal with, you know, David, when he faced Goliath, he didn't say, what giant? He said, you uncircumcised Philistine, the God that gave me the lion and the bear, he's going to put you in my hands. You see it for what it is, but you also know God is greater than what it is. And, and realize that God, Romans 8, 28, God will work all things for good for those who love him. It's about love. That love covering a multitude of sins. That love turning what is awful, undesirable, undeserved into something precious and valuable in our lives. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. So it doesn't mean that we ignore it, but it does mean that we need to choose to let it go to God. And I, I shared this in the first service. And every time I say that phrase, let it go, my wife's laughing on the front row because she knows where I'm going. And our granddaughter, Elin, she loves Frozen. And so when that song comes on, she is like, let it go, let it go. Isn't that the way she does it? Well, she does it better. And her voice is better. Thanks, honey. Yeah, reality check this morning. But she, she just loves singing it. Wouldn't it be so easy if we could just do it as easy as we could sing it? Let it go, let it go. I'm trying. <laughs> but, but... We do. What is it that can stay in our control that's going to work out better than when it's in God's control? There's only one answer, one right answer, and that's nothing. There's nothing, nothing that is better in our control than it is in God's. It's always better when we give it to God. When we give these things over to God, God goes to work. God doesn't sleep. God can do the impossible. God can work it all out for good. Not so much with us, but he can and he will if we'll turn it over to him and trust him. But part of it, when, when we don't let it go, we tend to go back to it and continue to revisit what has happened in the past because you don't stay in those situations. If you're being injured or whatever, you need to step back. But it's a stepping towards God. But when we focus and carry this stuff, it's like an injury that we experience in our physical bodies where we just keep picking at it. And if you pick at a wound or an injury, it'll never heal. And God has for us to be healed, to be whole. And sometimes we don't let go of these things because there's an offense or there's bitterness or there's a desire for revenge. You know, we want somebody to experience the pain they brought to our lives. But the Bible tells us not to avenge ourselves because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. 
Why is that? Because God knows what needs to happen. We can trust this God. Forgiveness does not mean what was done was okay. Sometimes when we forgive, we have this skewed idea, well, they're going to think it's okay. No, it's not okay, but we still need to forgive. Because if we don't forgive, then we're the ones that pay the price. Because we keep injuring ourselves with something that is in the past, but it's not in the past anymore because we keep bringing it up in the present, and so it keeps us stuck. It hinders us from going on into the fullness of what God's prepared because we're so tied to the past that we can't let it go. We keep revisiting. It also, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to immediately trust that person again. You need to be wise, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Forgive, but don't go right back into allowing that person or whatever to hurt you again. I just can't forgive. Part of that may be, and maybe not even aware of it, maybe a desire. To punish somebody for what they did. Not letting that go. If we don't let it go, many times those people that, that did what they did that warrant us forgiving them, they're going on with their lives. And we continue to be stuck and injured. You know, we, we nurse these things, we rehearse these things, and we're supposed to disperse it. Push it over on God's plate. Release it to God who promised to work it for good and who is the healer of the brokenhearted. So why? Why, why do we have to forgive? Why must we forgive? What is God trying to get to us that will benefit us, that will enrich our lives, that will cause us to experience the abundant life that he has that's currently in our unforgiveness being stolen from us. Well, there are a few things, and I, I don't have an exhaustive list, but why, do we, why must we forgive? First one, if we're Christians, we're Christ followers, we're supposed to be obedient to God and his word. God's word tells us to forgive. We don't have to have anything else. If we are really Christ followers, if we're Christians... We need to be obedient to the word. When we're obedient to God and to his word, we're moving in the realm of abundant life. It's where God can bring the abundant life. When we don't, we're keeping it in our own hands and we're going to get less than what God intended. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32 says this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification or building up that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we see again, forgiving 
as God and Christ forgave us, not to be bitter, not to, to grieve the Holy Spirit. When it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit, when somebody grieves you, when, when you're grieved by something, what is your sense of connectedness? Somebody grieves you, do you want to step in closer? No, there's another barrier. There's a barrier. When we grieve Holy Spirit, he doesn't step back, but we do. Because we're going a direction away from God. We're not doing what God has for us to do. If we're not doing what God has for us to do, we're not going to have what God has for us. And effectively, we're ripping ourselves off. And if I lose what God has, if I put away what God has because I want to hold on to unforgiveness, then I can't offer what God intended for me to have to any of those around me. And so effectively, more and more are being ripped off and losing what God intended. But this obedience, being obedient to God. The Bible tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice and the willing and obedient will eat the best of the land. When we're willing and obedient to God, it opens up the doors for God to continue to flood that abundant life in and through our lives. Another reason why we must forgive. This kind of seems self-focused, self-centered, but so that we can receive forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 12, and then 14 and 15, this is where the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he teaches them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And part of that prayer is, and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive our debtors or those who have trespassed against us. Now, what's a debt? Something that somebody owes, right? It's, it's something that somebody owes. But this word debt is, does mean that, but it also means a fault or a transgression. Something that somebody's done against us. Gosh, it's not just that way. It's not just people doing stuff against us. We do stuff against other people. And this tells us in verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I don't know about you, but I, I get tripped up. I make bad decisions sometimes, and I get off track. And when I do, I need fresh forgiveness from God. 1 John 1, 9 says, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins as we confess our sins to him and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and that's there because God knew we would not live this Christian life perfectly, that we're going to be growing, but the enemy's going to be tripping us up. We're going to make some bad decisions. And in those times that we divert from God's will, and one of the definitions of is missing, there we go, is missing the mark. To miss the mark is a definition of sin. And when I divert from God's plan and path and, and principles, I start to move into sin. When I move into sin, I need to turn out of it, but God will restore me. He'll cleanse me as I confess that sin and I turn back to him, I repent. 
And so if, if I'm going to need forgiveness, I've got to realize I am going to hinder God forgiving me if I don't forgive somebody else. Because what you sow is what you reap. And so we, we need to forgive others so that forgiveness can flow in our lives because we need it. Not just on Sundays. Not just a couple of days a week. Multiple times a day. Repentance is a part of our lives. Many people don't like the idea of repentance. Oh, I don't want to have to be, be repenting all the time. You know what? That's like saying, I don't want to have to take a shower. I don't want to take a bath. I don't want to have to wash my hands. Man, you, you, you and I get dirty daily. Sin comes at us all the time, and we need to turn back to God and get cleansed. And that's how forgiveness works. It works that cleansing. But also, to receive forgiveness, we've got to give forgiveness. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 through 26 says this. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Ooh. that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So it's telling us again in another place that when we forgive, we set ourselves up for God releasing forgiveness to us. And, and that's, it's vitally important. Because we need that forgiveness. But it also, in this portion of Scripture, another reason why we must forgive, so that our faith won't be hindered. Look at this. It says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. When you ask and I ask something in prayer and we believe we receive them, that's faith. Right? Faith is believing we receive before we see it. So when we pray, we believe we receive it. That's faith. But it goes on to say, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Well, how does that hinder my faith? Because in Romans, I'm sorry, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, it says this. Faith working through love. If we're going to believe the way God has for us to believe, if we're going to operate in faith, that faith works through love. It's energized through love. Without love, we can't operate in the God kind of faith. Well, what's that got to do with forgiveness? When we love, we forgive. When we don't love, we don't forgive. If we don't choose to forgive, we stop walking in love and our faith becomes hindered. It may bring some illumination and understanding if we're holding on to things and unforgiveness towards people, why our prayers aren't being answered the way we expect them to be. Now, it can be because we're not asking according to God's word or we're asking selfishly. But this is a big, big tactic of the enemy. He uses this monumentally in, in our lives as Christians where 
we get hurt, we get injured, we get disappointed, and, and we don't feel it's justified, we don't feel it's warranted, we, we don't forgive, and all of a sudden our faith is being hindered in our lives, and we don't even realize it because we've fallen prey to the deception of the enemy, the temptation and the deception of the enemy. And, and we're just going on holding on to our unforgiveness, and we're still trying to do everything we're trying to do, but it's not working the way God intended it to, and we need to look at our lives and say, God, what's hindering you from having your way? And sometimes we don't want to see what that is. Sometimes we... Because we don't want to face it and we don't know how to deal with it and we think that forgiveness is something that it's not, we kind of push it so back, so far back in our lives that we almost forget about it. But when that name is brought up or that person is seen or a memory of that comes up, all of a sudden we, we have this reaction, this adverse reaction, and that's an indication we haven't dealt with it. We need to deal with it. We need to forgive. Another reason, and I am sure every one of us in here does not want this to happen, but it's so the enemy doesn't get any advantage. You know, we have a real enemy. The Bible says he goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for every opportunity any crack, any opening to be able to get into our lives to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're living in this world, so we're fair game, but we should be built up in God that no matter what comes at us, the greater one in us will see us through. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, it says this, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So when we read that, when we get hurt, when we get injured, when we get used and abused and disappointed, we get angry. But the Bible says be angry and sin not. So anger itself is not a sin. Anger becomes a sin when it becomes the guiding force or the directing force in our actions. We're doing what we're doing because we're angry. And this says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, the word anger and wrath are two different words. The word wrath is rage. That, that rage is, the word rage means to, for your anger to be acted out, to lose control. And, and so this says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go on, down on your wrath and don't give place to the devil. So we become angry, but if we don't deal with it, if we don't process and forgive, turn it over to God, it turns into this rage that begins to direct us and control us and get us out of control. And all of a sudden, the enemy is getting advantage over us. And when he gets his opportunity to work, he's there to steal, kill, and destroy. And this says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That's telling us there has to be a point in time that we deal with this. We, we recognize it. We turn it over to God and we trust God to redeem it. We release it to God. Now, I can tell you there were times that early on when, when Debbie and I were first married, marriage is an amazing thing. It really shows you how selfish you are. 
At least it showed me. I, I was getting into being married for all I could get. I was going to get a beautiful wife. I was going to get a cook, a house cleaner, also. <laughs> and Debbie was like, I've never heard this before. <laughs> but many times we, we, be, we get married for what we can get out of it, not we, what we can bring to it. And real God kind of marriages, you're laying down your life for that other person. You're looking to serve that other person and bless that other person and knowing that what you sow, you'll reap. And we're... Husbands, we're supposed to love our wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so there were things that would go on that I would get upset about. And I knew the scripture. You know, there are some times in my life I wouldn't read the word. I didn't want to know anymore. I didn't want to be responsible. So I foolishly said, I'm not reading. And then I realized that I was, I was getting in worse and worse shape and I needed to go back to the word. But this was one of those times where I figured I had a better idea. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I can stay up for a few days. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep on this. And you know what would happen when, when I would get upset about the dumbest things? You know, I, I, I would get upset about some things that Debbie would do that she didn't even know what she was doing. I don't know if we ever talked about it like loading the dishwasher. You know, I took that as an offense. I would tell her how you should load the dishwasher because it makes all the sense in the world. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'll look this way. But it made sense to me. You load it from the back to the front. And I would get to the, I would tell Debbie, you know, load it from the back to the front because then I don't have to reach over the stuff in the front to try and get the stuff in the back. Didn't work, even till today. And I would get upset about it and I would, I would hold unforgiveness. And I would try and stay up so I didn't have to forgive. And that bitterness, man, it didn't get better. It got worse. And it was in me about something that foolish. Now, I'm not saying everything we have to forgive is just trivial. But no matter what, whether it's trivial or monumental, we must forgive so that we can experience the forgiveness that God has for us, so that we can experience the freedom, so that we don't give place to the devil. In any area in our lives right now that we're holding unforgiveness, the enemy is getting place. The longer we hold it, that unforgiveness, the more space we're giving the enemy. And I'm telling you, he will take every advantage he can every advantage he can. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. This is the Apostle Paul had written to the church at Corinth about a situation that was going on. He had found out about, about a, a, a son having an affair with his stepmother. And they had to address it. And the, the boy that was having an affair with his stepmom ended up repenting 
and, and turning back to God and turning away from the sin that he was in. And in this situation, uh, they, Paul was writing and saying, you know, because he's repented, you need to restore him. And it says this, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive, lest Satan should take advantage of who? Us. Not just one. Us. When, when we don't forgive, again, it just it infects us, which we begin to infect other people with. You know, when somebody's offended or hurt or bitter or, or injured, usually people talk about it, don't they? Yeah. Complain, tell people about it. And all of a sudden, when we tell somebody about the injury that we received by somebody else, they're going to make a choice. Now, their choice may be they're going to stay neutral, and it's really hard to stay neutral when somebody you care about is telling you what was done to them. And many times we align ourselves with that person and we take on their injury and their unforgiveness. And it begins to influence and affect us. And then we, in our rounds, begin to influence and affect other people. And it, the enemy gets so much mileage out of this. And we have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves and choose to align ourselves with God and choose to forgive. Because it affects others. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. And we're going to end with this scripture. It says, pursue peace with all people. That peace is the setting at one again, the irene. And holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and, and by this many become defiled. Falling short of the grace of God. Forgiveness is a grace gift. It's a grace pardon. And, and when we don't operate in forgiveness, we're falling short of the grace of God. The grace that we receive freely, not because we earned it, not because we deserved it, and if we freely received it, we need to freely give it to others. And there's always that fear. Well, you know, if I forgive them, they're just going to go on doing what they're doing. Not to you, because you don't keep yourself in a position where you can continue to experience that. Well, they're going to do it to other people. You have no control about what anybody else does. All you can do is keep your heart clean to walk in the love of God and to lovingly forgive. Pray for that person that they would, number one, if they don't come to know God, they would know God. If they know God, they would love God and walk in the way God has for them to walk and not in the things that they're doing. And that they'd be healed. And I say that they'd be healed because we know when, when we're in pain, when we're hurting, we end up hurting other people. And many times the injuries we receive from other people that we don't want to forgive are a result of an injury they received that they didn't deal with. Somebody's got to stop the cycle. And up to you and me, we need to choose to return love and forgiveness for evil.
The Bible says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And love is definitely good. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, as we talk about some of these things, it's, it's, it's painful. It is uncomfortable. It is sometimes something we just don't want to hear because we're in the midst of it. And some of you have been injured, you've been hurt, you have been, you've experienced what God doesn't want you to experience. But we live in a fallen world where people have a freedom of choice to do things, all sorts of things that God never intended. And God won't control, but we can control and we can give the control over to God so that in the midst of all this, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. That grace is, is like we've already heard today, a gift. It's something we have to recognize and receive. But that grace is the empowering presence of God, provision of God, for us to be able to be what God has for us to be and do what God has for us to do. It's not something that we work up. It's something that God is able to do as we allow him. And today, you know, you may have heard, uh, uh, we must forgive, and you say, I don't know, God, I don't know how. I don't know if I can forgive. The only way you and I can forgive is to recognize the forgiveness that's been freely and fully given to us. The Bible says, as you freely receive, freely give. When we recognize God has forgiven us of so much, we don't even know the magnitude of his forgiveness, the expanse of his forgiveness. But he's done it before we ever asked. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. When we were enemies of the cross, Christ died for us and paid the price for our forgiveness. And as freely as we've received that, we need to turn and say, you know, God's forgiven me so much and I, I would, I'm not forgiving you of anywhere near what God has forgiven me of. And I want to sow that forgiveness because I want to be able to experience your forgiveness, God. I want to walk in the freedom and the fullness of your life, which is walking in your love and your presence and your plan and provision and power. But we can't give that forgiveness until we taste of it. Until we come to that place of recognizing the price Jesus paid on the cross for our forgiveness. Repenting, turning away from the direction we've been going, running our own lives, and turning to Christ and receiving Jesus as our Lord receiving that forgiveness, working in our lives, cleansing and freeing and fortifying us. We can never forgive another person. It's impossible because it's love. And that love is God until he comes in residence. We are incapable of this. And so today, if you're here or you're at home and you've never turned to Christ, you've never trusted in him, you've never received his forgiveness and received him as Lord. I want to pray with you today and I'm not going to call you out or do anything. We're going to pray this prayer together but if you've never done that, 
I invite you to pray this prayer with us this morning. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. Today, Lord Jesus, I recognize you died for me. I repent of my sin. I receive your forgiveness. And I ask you to come into my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Guide me, govern me, and guard me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time here, let somebody know before you leave. You may say that's a strange thing to do, but it's really not because we celebrate this. There's a celebration going on in heaven for ones returning to connect with God and be connected in the body of Christ. And, and we want to celebrate with you. If you prayed at home and you want us to pray for you, just go down to the website reslightny.org, down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed you want us to pray for you by name, leave your name. If you want us to contact you, leave some sort of form of contact and we'll get in touch with you this week. This week, you know what it is. It's the best week you have to live. It is. Why don't you stand? God has a plan for you this week. And what's that plan? It's for good with a future and a hope. And he's not just sending you out to do this week alone. He's going with you. He's walking with you every step of the way. He's already ahead of you. He's preparing the way. He's going to be your rear guard. He's going to uphold you. And he's going to cover you. Man, you're surrounded. You have no, no possibility of failing unless you choose to. God's going to bring you through and into more of the full life, the abundant life than you've ever experienced so the people around you can see what God can do in you. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of your children here, those that are watching online. Lord, I thank you for your presence that would be tangible and empowering. I thank you for your plan that is perfect and good. I thank you for your power that is unequaled. And Father, I thank you for the victory that you have prepared for each one of your children. We are in a fallen world, and we thank you that, that in the midst of whatever we encounter, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, that you have made us overwhelmingly more than conquerors. So, Father, we rejoice knowing that we're going to see your goodness in the land of the living, and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Have a great week.